Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 32 of The Raw Verdict, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's flagship show, Monday Night Raw. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 32 of Russell Subtopia continues. Happy Tuesday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as an extraordinarily busy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW is underway and we have survived. Night one, which was payback. Night two is Monday Night Raw and tonight, and tomorrow is NXT where we were crowned a brand new NXT champion in an epic four-way 60-minute Iron Man match featuring Johnny Gargano versus Tomasa Ciampa versus Finn Balor versus Adam Cole, baby. And tomorrow night, AEW Dynamite is the go-home show for All Out, which goes down this Saturday, September 5th on pay-per-view and BR Live at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time with the buy-in pre-show at 7 Eastern on YouTube and all of their social media on Twitter and Facebook. So it's gonna be a very busy week. I got you covered every step of the way and it's fun to be a wrestling fan if the shows are good. And I thought last night's episode of Monday Night Raw, the follow-up to Payback was not a bad show. It wasn't chaotic, it wasn't messy, it wasn't offensive, but it felt dry in spots, but there was a great main event that I'm going to just laud with compliments and praises. And if you can read the title of this episode, you know exactly what I'm hinting at. But this was a focus show with some flaws, which I will get into momentarily, as this is gonna be a brief trip around the Thunderdome from the Amway Center in Orlando, Florida to get you through your Tuesday as we get ready for an historic episode of NXT later tonight on USA. But first and foremost, it's time to talk about the opening segment with Randy Orton coming out to complain that Drew McIntyre was pitying him by giving him a rematch for the WWE Championship. And he took that as a sign of disrespect for McIntyre. And he returned the favor by punting him in the head, not once, not twice, but three times which gave McIntyre a hairline fracture in his jaw, not no cracked skull that was alleged by Charlie Caruso and the crack staff WWE medical team last week. So he's gonna be out of action for a bit to solve the injury, which is smart, and he'll come back Orton eventually, which should build up to a compelling rematch, presumably for the WWE Championship. And Orton says that McIntyre made a bold claim at SummerSlam last Sunday, that he was gonna kick his head off with the Claymore, but I'm the one kicking people heads off. From you, to Edge, to Christian, to The Big Show, to Ric Flair, to Shawn Michaels, to you now. And I feel as if I am entitled to a WWE Championship shot. You're goddamn right I'm entitled. I'm the greatest of all time. I'm a legend killer. I've put out six men this year alone, have them napping in the hospital beds, and I am not fit or equipped to jump through hoops for a title shot, but I'll do it. I'll play the game and I'll go to Clash of Champions and challenge you for the WWE Championship. It doesn't matter who I face, whether it's Kevin Owens, Keith Lee, Seth Rollins, Dominic Mysterio, I will blow through all of them to get to you. And Keith Lee comes out, confronts Orton and says, you talk a big game, but you apparently forgot the fact that I beat you clean as a sheet last night at Payback. And I don't hear you saying my name as you run down your resume of your victims this year. And even though, I am fond of McIntyre as a friend. I do have a point of focus on that WWE Championship. 
and Drew has receipts ready to cash in on you. But right now, let's have that conversation between you and I. And before they can get deep in said conversation, Dolph Ziggler attacked Keith Lee from behind. Randy Orton watched as Dolph got the jump on Keith once again with the DDT, which led to their match, which took place after the commercial break. This was a good opener to Monday Night Raw. Randy Orton is always golden on the mic. The year of Orton continues. Keith Lee held his own, and Dolph Ziggler provided the perfect distraction for the match. And the subsequent match that followed was fine. But I had an issue of Keith Lee taking so long to defeat Dolph Ziggler when it only took six minutes to take care of Orton last night at Payback. So that was a small criticism. At this point, Dolph Ziggler is pretty damn low on the totem pole. He's a great seller. He'll bump his ass off for his opponents, but he has no business hanging around as long as he did against Keith Lee. Keith Lee is supposed to be a dominant force that is supposed to just wipe through the competition, no questions asked. If he can do that at Payback, he needs to do it on television. And it's kind of backwards booking when you're trying to present him as strong. And Dolph Ziggler at this point in his career does not need the protection. So it went a bit too long. Keith Lee did get the win after a lot of selling, courtesy of Dolph Ziggler putting him in a sleeper hold for a large majority of the match. Had a couple of near falls on Keith Lee, but the outcome was never in doubt as he finished Ziggler off with a big spirit bomb for the one, two, three, and he advances to the triple threat match later in the show against who we shall find out momentarily. In the women's division scene, it was a little disheartening not to see the role models, not so golden. Bailey and Sasha Banks on the show last night because without the tag team titles, they can't float between Raw, SmackDown, and NXT, which makes me a sad, sad person. But that means the door is open for Asuka to have new challengers for the Raw Women's Championship. And we got a taste of that last night as Mickey James threw her name in the hat. And I got immediate NXT TakeOver Toronto vibes from four years ago as Asuka and Mickey James had a great match for the NXT Women's Championship that put Mickey James back on the map and back in WWE. It was a fantastic battle and they were both a little twisted in terms of being heel and face, but I dug the chemistry. It's so good and seasoning. Four years later, I want this played back at a pay-per-view and hopefully we get that at Clash of Champions next month. But Natalia and Lana has something to say about that as well. And they jumped the baby faces before the baby faces took control of things, which led to Mickey and Lana. Not much to write home about, but I will say Lana eats the mitt kick like nobody's business. She falls, she sells it perfectly, and it makes it a devastating finisher. And that's a good thing for her. Make your opponent look good and strong and hopefully Unlike the crap we were given a few weeks ago with Mickey James coming back and losing to Natalia in her return match, and it was a complete afterthought with Seth Rollins questioning Samoa Joe about Rey Mysterio being on Raw that particular evening, taking away from that moment and their match. Let's hope they get ample time to set up Asuka's challenger for the clash next month on the WWE Network. Moving on to Randy Orton versus Kevin Owens, with the winner moving on to the triple threat match to determine who will face Drew McIntyre for the WWE title at Clash of Champions next month. And before this match took place, Randy Orton knocked on Aleister Black's door and lived to tell the tale. And that was a telltale sign that Kevin Owens was going to get his ass kicked before this match got underway as a one-eyed Black took out Kevin Owens by attacking him from behind before laying him out with Black Mass. He tossed 
Owens in the ring. Easy prey for Orton. And Owens managed to fight back ever so briefly, but it wasn't enough as Orton dropped KO with an RKO for the one, two, three as he moves on to the triple threat match later in the show to determine who will face Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship at the Clash. I thought this was a fine segment, nothing to particularly write home about. It does forward the feud between Kevin Owens and Aleister Black. And I would love to see those guys tear it up in a ring very, very soon. And that could happen at Clash of Champions or on an episode of Monday Night Raw, as long as they have time to shine and tell a story in the ring that'll make me a very happy camper in Orton. Advancing the way he did, it makes sense. He is willing to do the bare minimum to get by and you gotta respect that hustle in 2020. So this was a way to protect KO in the loss, get Orton some quick work, and get Aleister Black over as a heel. So all three things were accomplished and this was a successful segment, even though deep down as a wrestling purist, I would love to see KO and Orton in a long form match, but we got that a few weeks ago on Raw, so this was a decent consolation prize, all things considered. In some weird news, in terms of teams breaking up, we had a tag team match with the Wyatt Squad versus the Iconics, Billy Kane, Peyton Royce, and the winning team would earn a shot at Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax's women's tag team titles, and the losing team would be no more, meaning they would have to break up. And I was immediately confused because the Iconics is such a great duo and the Wyatt Squad just got back together. So I'm wondering, okay, if I had to place bets, the Iconics are definitely breaking up because I've heard rumblings that Payne Royce was getting a substantial push as a single star and Billy Kay would be left twisting in the wind going on her own. Meanwhile, Ruby Wyatt and Liv Morgan are a great tag team and I can sense them vying and possibly winning the tag team titles at some point. And here is the match and as expected, Ruby Wyatt, after a series of roll-ups and teases, on Billy Kay, she finally pinned her shoulders to the mat for the one, two, three, as Ruby and Liv earned a shot at the women's tag team titles while the Iconics are no more, and I'm very sad. Billy and Peyton are my Laverne and Shirley, my Lucy and Ethel, my Betty and Veronica, my peas and carrots, and I'm gonna miss them as a duo. And according to Brian Alvarez from Figure Four Weekly and the Wrestling Observer website, there is an explanation for this very abrupt breakup, and hopefully I'll have that news sometime tomorrow, and I might be able to update you guys next week as to why this breakup happened so quickly. And apparently Peyton Royce got over her breakup with Billy Kay very quickly during Raw Underground as she threw poor Billy Kay to the wolves. As Jasmine Duke and Marina Shafir knocked her lights out, she went night-night as Payne Royce feigned innocence. So that was quite the moment. And I wonder where we go from here with the Iconics as they are no longer a tag team. I'm intrigued, but disappointed at the same time. But Payne Royce does have potential as a single star. She has improved rapidly this year and going solo and filling yourself as that star that you should be, even though you're gonna miss your best friend, it is a way to grow as a performer and possibly line up as being a legit challenger for Asuka's Raw Women's Championship in the not too distant future and I would love to throw Bianca Belair's name in that hat as well, but her time will come because the one thing I don't want to see is Bianca eating losses on television. 
she should be protected 100%. And if she's not going to be put in a position to shine and most importantly pick up W's, then she does not need to be on television at this time. I felt that way earlier this spring, even though I felt frustrated that she wasn't on television. But if you're eating losses, heading into Money in the Bank or other pay-per-views, I don't need to see it. So keep winning on main event, but we need you back here because every time I see Bianca, I feel immediate joy because she is one of the best because she is the EST of WWE, if you haven't heard. And now it is time for my second favorite match of the night. Dominic Mysterio in place of his father, Rey Mysterio, who suffered a triceps injury at Payback this past Sunday on the pay-per-view. And it's not something that requires surgery. According to Dave Meltzer, it's gonna require two months of rehab. And if he's ready to go in two months, which is around October-ish, then he will be good to go. And thank goodness for that because him and his son have been a great duo as of late. And my dream scenario is them becoming tag team champions at some point. And the preferred tag team in that situation is Andrade and Angel Garza, but they have been booked and beaten to oblivion this summer. So I don't have high hopes for that, but a girl can dream. In any event, Dominic did take on Seth Rollins with the winner moving on to take that final spot in the triple threat match in the main event, along with Keith Lee and Randy Orton. And this was once again, a really good match from Dominic Mysterio and Seth Rollins, who is a seasoned vet. Dominic continues to impress. He misses nothing when he's in the ring. Everything he does is crisp and smooth and spot on. His arm drags are a thing of beauty. They just are. He did a flip dive on Rollins from the announce table in a sweet spot as well. Rollins did ground him after the commercial break as he put a body scissors on Dominic to squeeze him out for a little bit. But Dominic bounced back with a tilt-a-whirl DDT. That is so great every time I see it. And he does a standing moonsault for the nearest and near falls. The announcers are going crazy because they thought this was going to be a massive upset. Towards the end of the match, Dominic goes for the 619, hits it, goes up for the frog splash, and he misses, which leaves him wide open for the stomp from Seth Rollins as Rollins picks up the win and moves on to the Triple Threat match main event featuring Keith Lee and Randy Orton with the winner moving on to face Drew McIntyre for the WWE title at Clash of Champions next month on pay-per-view. And then as a capper on top to add insult to injury, throws salt in the room to the Mysterio family, all three of them backstage, Ray, Angie, and Aaliyah. And he stomps Dominic once again for good measure. And that continues this never ending rivalry. And at this point, I don't want it to end. I love the chemistry between the Mysterios and Rollins and Murphy. Don't call him buddy. But Murphy is on punishment after Rollins was knocked out by Murphy inadvertently during the telling of their tag team match against the Mysterio family at Payback this past Sunday on pay-per-view. And he admonished Murphy slapped him inside the head and told him to get the hell out of his ring. Think about what he's done. And as he walked back up the ramp, as Rollins continued to read him a new one, Dominic attacked him from behind and we did not see Murphy for the rest of the night. So this is telling that Rollins is almost down to no disciples, which isn't a good look for him, but he might have some comparable stand-ins if retribution is any indication of that, which I would get into right now as we had them crash a tornado tag team match featuring the Street Profits versus Andrade and Angel Garza. The match was fine, but at some point, you do feel this disconnection between both teams. You've seen this match numerous times, free on television, 
for the past month or so and you see the profits beat them decisively over and over and over again on pay-per-view, on television again, in singles matches, it doesn't do anybody any good. The Street Profits need new challengers. Andrade and Angel Garza desperately need to be rehabbed because they're too good to be losing on a regular basis. And this tag team match means nothing when one team is the perennial loser and the other team are the winners as they should since they're the champions. But at some point you gotta move on from this dead end rivalry. And I was very thankful that Retribution came out and stopped this match dead in its tracks. And apparently this group has grown in numbers once again, at least a dozen people out there in all black wearing masks. And there is a six foot seven dude out there. And we know there's only one six foot seven person in WWE and that is Dominic Dijakovic. And you can hear his voice is too deep for you not to recognize who it is. And I think Mia Yim is still rolling with the crew as well. And there was three women at least in this pack attacking Zelina Vega as she tried to fight back and the Prophets and Garza with Demi Burnett from the Bachelor in Paradise show, they hauled ass. They got out of there quickly as he let Andrade and the Prophets get beat down. They won away and I'm still waiting for the starting lineup for Retribution. Who's the starting five? I thought we had the starting six last week, but now we're back to the Dirty Dozen. Can we downsize please and get to the point of this faction? What is your purpose? What are we angry about? Who are you working for? Is it Roman Reigns? Because apparently you don't attack SmackDown when he's on the show. Do you work for Seth because you don't attack him? It's just confusing to me. Now, I will say the prospects of Dijakovic and Keith Lee on the same show and Dijakovic being a heel, you can inject that in every fiber of my being and I won't complain in the least. So that's good. But we still need to identify the other members and get a clear purpose as to why they are doing what they're doing. And are you draft eligible? Because the draft is coming up presumably in October and you guys could be separated in this process and maybe you don't wanna be broken up and you wanna buck the system, who knows? Are you angry disgruntled employees who were laid off and now you're back? I don't know but it's been going on for about a month now and I'm ready for some reveals. Last night was payback and payback is retribution. It would have been nice to see that on this show, but if you're trying to keep them exclusive to Raw and away from Roman Reigns, then by all means, do what you must do. But once again, I'm just ready for this to reach its next step, which is tell us who you are and why. Give me that, there might be hope yet, but for sure, Dijakovic is one of those dudes, six foot seven, deep voice, unmistakable. And with that, with all that going on, we did have time for Raw Underground, which was pretty uneventful this week. We had Marina Shafir and Jasmine Duke tearing up people. We had Titus O'Neil and Riddick Moss having a pretty good scrap. And then the Hurt Business returns because they always had to blow off steam after 10 o'clock every Monday night. And they pretty much destroyed Ricochet, Cedric Alexander and Apollo Crews with submissions in the ring to end the night for the underground. And as I mentioned, over the past few weeks regarding the Hurt Business, I love MVP, Bobby Lashley, and Shelton Benjamin individually. I love them as a group. I enjoy the Hurt Business. I think my core issue is, still, this group should be elevating the future of WWE. And if WWE is smart, your future is, if you push them properly, Cedric, Alexander, Ricochet, and Apollo Crews. 
You can't beat them down repeatedly over and over and over again and make me care if they do decide to join you guys because you have beat them beyond recognition as baby faces and you have them sell out in order to buy into your way of thinking. Well, they have to start racking up wins and they have to gain a level of credibility off this group. And that was my dream scenario all spring and summer long. The MVP will recruit underutilized talent so he can help them reach their full potential. But by continuously whooping on Cedric and Ricochet and Apollo, you diminish their star power that is already very dim with the exception of Apollo up until this week. So. Here's hoping there is a end game to this because constant beatdowns of your future is not a good look. As I keep saying, the Hurt Business is not your future. It can be a bridge to that future who you're beating up every single week, but hopefully they'll figure that out sooner or later because right now it's getting tedious and it's been that way for a while. And now it is time for our main event segment, the saving grace of Monday Night Raw was the triple threat match featuring Keith Lee versus Randy Orton versus Seth Rollins with the winner moving on to face Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship at Clash of Champions in September. And this was the best Keith Lee showcase thus far. We saw his strength, we saw his power, we saw his agility, and Randy Orton and Seth Rollins deserve bonuses for selling their asses off for Keith Lee. They bumped they flung themselves into the air and they defied gravity, which I appreciated. And they made Lee look like an absolute star out there. And it started innocently enough with Randy Orton setting up Seth Rollins saying, hey man, I worked early in the night, it's your turn. <laughs> I lied, you know, you got this though. And then Keith Lee palms Seth Rollins by the hair, gets him in the ring. And then he delivers a double crossbody to Orton and Rollins as they went splat in the ring. The other highlights of this match included Keith Lee pouncing Seth Rollins halfway across the ring. Then he charges after Orton and pounces him to the moon. Orton takes this amazing bump halfway across the ringside area. Seth Rollins goes for a suicide dive on the outside, gets caught by Keith Lee and flung over the announce table. Love the strength and I love the flop by Seth Rollins. Eventually they get back in the ring and Orton is just laid out for the moment. And Lee goes for the spirit bomb, but Rollins switches the momentum and rolls him up for a near fall. This allows him to get in position for the stomp and he charters after Lee and Lee catches him mid-stride. He lifts him up high above his head and he goes up and Rollins goes down with the most spectacular spirit bomb I ever seen. Cause Rollins bounced up and over and was just gone down for the count. Orton sneaks in, hits Lee with the RKO and Lee kind of bounces up from this. And Orton realizes, oh shit, if I go for this pin on Lee, he's gonna kick out. So I'm just gonna hurdle over him and pin Rollins for the one, two, three and steal the victory from Lee. And he will move on to face Drew McIntyre, expectedly so, for the WWE title at Clash of Champions in September. And this has match of the year quality written all over it. McIntyre and Orton had a great match at SummerSlam last Sunday and I expect similar results at the pay-per-view. Keith Lee loses nothing from this defeat. He was protected 
and you have two seasoned vets in Rollins and Orton that sold their asses off for him. And this was Lee's Beth showing this is a Keith Lee we've wanted to see. We got pieces of it the past week or so, but this is the power. This is the specialness that Keith Lee has to make every moment memeable, every moment gifable for our viewing pleasure. And Seth Rollins and Randy Orton, they work their asses off to make him look like an absolute star. That's how you do it. Randy Orton went over, but Keith Lee got over despite the L and he's gonna be just fine. The rocket push continues and I can't wait to see what's in store for Lee next. His wall went off there with Randy Orton celebrating on the main ramp at the top of the hour. And this was a good way to end a pretty decent episode of Raw. Like I said, dry in spots, but the main event was definitely a lifesaver towards the end due to the performances from Lee, Orton, and Rollins. Just a really fun triple threat match. They had a lot of high spots and moments that I won't soon forget because of how good the selling was, how much of a moment maker Keith Lee is when you put him in the proper position to shine. And last night was a perfect example of that. As we get ready for Clash of Champions on September 27th on the WWE Network, every title will be defended on this night. I'm looking forward to it, and hopefully we're going to have some quality matchups lining up for the next few weeks. And on that note, this wraps up episode number 32 of The Raw Verdict, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's flagship show, Monday Night Raw. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can follow me on social media at Lady Wrestling X on Twitter and on Instagram at WrestleZoptopia. They can find me tweeting and gramming about these podcast shows that drop until further notice on the daily, almost. Featuring recaps of Monday Night Raw, AEW Dynamite, NXT, and Friday Night Smackdown on Fox. Feel free to download past episodes and all of your favorite podcast directories. Recapping all things WWE and AEW dating back to the Raw Verdict number one. Recapping the fallout from the Warrior Rumble 2020. So you know what to do. Search Russell's Utopia on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Plus, Amazon Alexa, and Spotify. I'll be back tomorrow morning with episode number 11 of the NXT Nightcap recapping everything that went down in that epic four-way 60-minute Iron Man match to crown the new NXT champion. Until then, enjoy your Tuesday, stay safe out there, and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care.